So Money episode 111, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Happy Saturday. This is Ask Farnoosh, and tomorrow will also be Ask Farnoosh. Every weekend, I dedicate the show to answering your questions that have been coming through. And as I do with every Saturday episode, I start this particular episode by reading off one nice review on iTunes left by a listener. And this person is going to receive a free 15-minute money session with me. And this week, we have selected Cabaloo's. Uh, am I saying your name correctly? I'm not sure. It's your nickname You're on iTunes, K-A-B-A-L-O-U-Z. Uh, he calls or she calls the podcast, Finally What I Was Looking For. Says, for years I listened to the Marketplace Money podcast, but then they changed their format and stopped talking with real people about real life situations and answering questions from listeners. So Money addresses all of these things and more. I really appreciate that Farnoosh wants to expand and speak with artists, bakers, and other people interacting with personal finance outside of the average entrepreneur. Well, thank you so much because I feel as though this review really does capture the essence of the show, what it is trying to achieve. And Cabaloos, email me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com so that we can connect and I will send you my booking calendar so that we can have our one-on-one. Very curious to hear what might be on your money radar and what kind of questions you're grappling with. Hopefully I can help. And so uh, I'm very honored. I, I'm a big fan of Marketplace Money. Lizzie O'Leary is a wonderful host, new host of that show. I highly recommend you listen. But uh, yeah, we do things a little differently here at So Money. We like to uh, listen to listeners very closely and see what is on their money mind. And I dedicate, as I said, the show on weekends to responding. So speaking of, let's get right to it. I hope you're all having a fantastic weekend. It is like really, really beautiful weather here in Brooklyn. Um, hopefully, this means spring is officially here because we got a little bit of a tease of some warm weather a couple of weeks ago. And then what do we get after that? Snow flurries. What? Okay. So I'm really hoping that this is the official kickoff to some warm weather here. Uh, but as I am blabbering away, let me get to our first question for today, which comes from our friend Molly. Molly says, hi, I admit I was not familiar with your work until I heard you present at Simmons College earlier this month month. Yes, I went all the way up to Boston to Simmons to present. And she said, thank you for when she makes more. I turned my side hustle into a career and now I make twice what my husband makes in half the time. Wow. That is when she makes more in half the time. I love it. Her question is, despite years of painful conversations, my 63-year-old mother-in-law refuses to improve her own financial situation and says she's embarrassed to seek public assistance. Somehow, it's less embarrassing to ask hubby and me to cover the bills. Social Security does not. How can we shield ourselves long-term from her leeching tendencies? Thank you. Well, Molly, first I would say you should listen to my podcast with Valerie Ryan that aired on Thursday of this week. I think this is, and maybe you've already done this, but I don't know, so I'm just going to go with this and say that I think it's a conversation that your husband should have with his mother and explain, he ha- he should explain to her that he 
you know, that you and he have huge goals that you need to afford, whether it's to someday buy that home or have a family or expand your family, or just frankly, that you need to save money to secure your own future and that you want to work with your mom, with mom-in-law to give her the assistance that she's entitled to. So help her find uh, these benefits that she might qualify for through the government and I would frame it like that and say, you know, mom, if I were you, I would take advantage of these of the free money that's out there for you. You know, why not? And instead of giving her money, sometimes you can give her help in, in, in the form of time or advice or going to her house and helping her with any kind of um, bills that she needs to pay or, or whatever she needs done. I think that sometimes... Um, we forget that we can help our loved ones not just by writing a check or paying bills, although they would prefer that, but maybe you can give them something else or barter with them or give them your time, give them, um, lend a helping hand that can help them alleviate some of their costs, uh, whatever that is for her. I don't know, but I think you just have to be straight up teller. This is not in our financial plans. And if we continue helping you at the pace that we are, we will fall behind. We will fall into debt. And don't be embarrassed to literally say that, that this is hurting us and we want to help you, but this is not the way that we can help you in the best way possible. It's in the end going to hurt everybody. If you've already done this and it's not worked, um, you mentioned that these you've already had painful conversations, uh, but I would you know really frame it again by saying that uh, you guys are losing money. And that you need uh, to come up with some alternatives, um, and and what and you know involve her in that. Like, what's another way that we can help you that would be, you know, meaningful and substantial, but wouldn't require us to dip into our savings and perhaps even go into debt. Another tactic is maybe to involve siblings if there are siblings or really close relatives to get in on that conversation. Sometimes you just need an intervention, and it doesn't have to be like this hostile takeover, but just really. You know, we care about you. We're concerned about you. We want you to be taken care of, but giving you money every month is just not something that's viable, frankly. And see what she says. Hopefully, she will understand. Erin writes in, she says, Hey, Farnoosh, I listened to your episode with Ramit Sethi, and I felt inspired to utilize the resources on his site to up my negotiating game at my annual review. I ended up getting a 40% pay increase from fifty dollars to $70,000. Whoa. She says, well, I was familiar with Ramit before the podcast was a motivating factor for me to negotiate being paid my worth. I also saw you speak at FinCon last year and subsequently read When She Makes More. I've actually adjusted some of my behaviors in my relationship to ensure money is empowering. Mostly, I just want to say thank you. Well, Erin, I'm honored. Thank you so much for tuning in. Ramit is phenomenal. Guys, if you haven't listened to his episode, it's episode 85. I think he is one of the best experts out there when it comes to earning what you're worth. He's extremely motivating. And so I'm happy that that was helpful to you. And and congratulations on 70K. You are officially now at a point where studies have found uh, money will no longer buy you happiness. (laughs) If you listen to my interview with Dan Price, who is the CEO of Gravity Payments, where he raised the minimum wage of his company to $70,000, the reason he did that, one of the big reasons was that he saw this Princeton study that found that those who earn 
up to $70,000, that the more you earn closer to $70,000, the happier you can become. That earning less than $70,000 will result in less happiness uh, based on just you know the cost of living in America today. But beyond $70,000, your income has really little to do with your happiness. And so after that, it's really about how you manage your money and, and all those other things. So congratulations. I'm happy to hear it. And I, you don't have a question, but I love comments. Uh, makes my day and puts a smile on my face. Thank you so much, Erin. Ashley writes in now and she does have a question. She says, I uh, look forward to listening to an episode every morning and I'm always looking up your guests and learning more. I have almost 200,000 in student loan debt from law school. I'm on an IBR program, which is income-based repayment. So monthly payments are not too much, but at this rate, I won't pay off my loans until they are forgiven in 20 years. I've tried consolidating, but my debt to income ratio is too much. I don't know whether I should pay the minimum, invest, and wait out my loans, or aggressively pay them down. I have about 40000 in savings, but investing is a priority, and buying a house someday would be nice also. Well, Ashley, what about paying the minimums on those student loan payments every month most of the time? And then when you get, say, a tax refund or a raise or a surprise lump sum of cash, if you can pre-commit to saying, I'm going to put 50% of that unknown amount of money in the future towards the principal, I think that is a way to kind of get the best of both worlds. So you're not dipping into your savings for this. You're not paying more than the minimum on as, as a rule every month. But when you do make some extra money that you weren't expecting, I would say there's an opportunity here to really become aggressive in that moment. And it will, over time, help you knock down that debt faster, pay less interest over time. I don't want you to have these loans for 20 years. IBR is very helpful, but I look at IBR as really more of a transitional assistance, you know, something that should get you kind of over a hump, you know, as you have 200,000 student loans right now, but imagine with your starting salary, wherever, it's hard to manage that unless you are on some kind of modified program. But eventually you're going to make more money. And hopefully you'll be able to be more committed to those loans and, and you know pay more than uh, just the minimum and be more aggressive. So that's what I would do. Try to just be conscious of every time you get extra money to put a significant amount of that towards the principal. That's key. Not the principal plus interest, but just the principal so that you really knock down that balance. Kevin says, my wife and I are in our late 40s. We live within our means, and we have saved, invested reasonably well. We have no kids. We have no significant write-offs, and we get hit with the AMT, which is the alternative minimum tax. He says, if we just stop working for a few years or more, are we doing any long-term damage to potential Social Security benefits or anything else? Feels like we're working to pay for commuting. Thank you. Uh, Well, Kevin, I'm not really sure what to focus on here. You're talking about the AMT, which is an unfortunate tax burden, uh, the fact that you may lose Social Security if you quit working for those for any number of years, which is potentially true. Uh, You also say that you have jobs that aren't paying you enough because you feel like you're just working to pay for commuting. So I would start by just addressing this issue of your job. Perhaps you're in the wrong job or your, your job doesn't seem to be paying you enough or is fulfilling enough. You're okay with quitting. Um, maybe focusing on that because your job really is such a source of, it can be such a source of happiness or dismay. And if, you're so, if your job is really just a source of stress and you're not inspired at work, I think that's some, an area f- to focus on. It's, it's worth your time to focus on finding a job that either is closer to home so you can 
not have to spend so much on the commute time and money. You can maybe work from home. You know, so think about maybe putting more of your energy and your focus on the job. I don't recommend not working for three years. You're able-bodied. You're in your 40s. You may have a lot of money now, but you want to be able to take advantage of these years that when you can work, you know, and and uh, people are willing to pay you still. If you go out of the job market for three years, I don't know what it's going to look like when you return. So that's a risk. Uh, I think that the issue that's really jumping out at me here is that you're in an unhappy job. And if you made more, if you made more doing a job that you enjoyed that was even just closer to your home, I think that maybe it would change things around for you and your wife. So so work on that. And if you have any specific questions about job hunting, I'm happy to hear from listeners more than once, of course. So uh, let me know how things go. And that is a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining me on So Money, Ask Farnoosh edition. Having a lot of fun looking at all of your questions. I I really respect uh, everybody's thoughts and curiosities about money. Really makes me feel as though I'm doing something important here. So I appreciate your questions. And remember to ask me a question. As a reminder, it's very easy to do this. Just hop on to somoneypodcast.com. And there you'll see a little sign that says Ask Farnoosh. Click on that. And then you can ask away. And it goes right into my inbox. And it's simple as that. Thanks again. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. See you back here tomorrow for more Ask Farnoosh questions. Hope your day is so money. So money.